Hey, you're listening to the C3 Network Podcast with Dan Holland. Our mission is to create a network of micro churches that are finding, teaching, and equipping people to be on mission. Our hope is that this encourages you. Be sure to leave us a review so you can help us share our message with more people who need to hear it. And now, Dan Holland. All right, we're in Ephesians 4 today. God has a lot to say to us about living the Christian life and putting your faith into action. And it's here in Ephesians 4 that Paul starts to make this turn. So the first half of Ephesians chapters 1, 2, and 3 is all about what God's done for us, what we have in Christ, what we've been given. We have so many spiritual blessings in Christ. Um, Let's do a quick recap. We've been chosen. We've been adopted. We've been accepted. We've been redeemed. We've been forgiven. We've been enlightened. We've been enriched, we've been sealed, we have the Holy Spirit living in us, and we have hope. All right, the second half turns to what we do with what we've been given. We have a high calling. We're children of God, kids of the King, His chosen people, His work of art. The status is there. The calling is there. It's not about earning grace or being better than anybody else. Just it's about living up to the gift God's already given you. Unfortunately, many of us stop short. In our Christian journey, we find a level, if you would, of sorts, and then we plateau. We stop developing. We stop growing. We stop striving. And Paul wants to remind us today, wants to, in fact, urge us. We have a calling, and this calling is a high calling, and this calling should compel us to move forward. It should cause us to live a life worthy of the calling that we have received. Now, what does this life look like? Well, let's look at Ephesians chapter 4. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. And make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. For there is one body. And one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Throughout history, Satan has been really, really good at stirring up conflict between followers of Jesus. No group of believers is immune. Let's just put a period after that. That's why Paul's admonition in verse 3 is every bit as important for us as it was for those who were the first ones to hear Paul's letter. When he said, make every effort to keep or maintain the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Notice, this is interesting. He doesn't tell us to desire unity, to wish for unity, or even to pray for unity. What he says is, make every effort to keep or maintain the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. You see, what he tells us to do is to keep or maintain the unity. God gives us unity through Jesus. He saves each one of us, then he puts us together into one family, and he builds us into a spiritual temple. And because of that, we must go after unity with everything we've got. You know, unity in the church is everybody's job. It's not just the pastor's job or the leader's job. It's, it's my job, personally. I have to work to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And it's one of the few things that God tells us to make every effort on. Don't take this lightly. 
but do everything that you can to protect and defend the peace between you. Our unity as believers is something that God takes very seriously. Now, if you remember, Jesus, just before he was crucified in his last major prayer time on this planet, this is what he prayed. John chapter 17, verse 20. He said, my prayer is not for them alone. No, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us that the world may believe that you have sent me. You know, according to Jesus, the whole mission rests on unity. The believability of his message is based on the unity of the church. One of the very last things Jesus asked God for before he gave his life for us all is that we would be one. But what we've got to understand, anytime God is at work, so is his enemy. Satan is working overtime to break up the party, right? And all he needs is one person to let him in, one person that can stir up a little bit of junk to gossip, to vent, to tear down instead of build up. And I've seen Satan successfully tear apart some great churches through just a couple of people. And that's why Paul says unity isn't one person's job. It's everybody's job. And it's not just a part-time job. It's a full-time deal. And we have to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Amen. To make it easy, he gives us a list of essentials for unity. And what he says in verses 4 through 6 not only reminds us that, of what's at stake, but what we have in common as Christians. You see, in Christ, what we have in common is way more than what we don't. What we share is greater than what we don't share. He says, let's, let's work through it. We're one body. He's referring to the church. One body, different parts, different functions, but one body. Christ is the head of the body, which is the church. We have one spirit. We have one hope that we will all be resurrected to eternal life. There's one Lord. Jesus is Lord. He is the master. I am his servant. There's one faith, the Christian's commitment to Jesus Christ, the one faith. There's one baptism. It's water baptism into the, the one body, the church. There is one God and Father who he says is over all, who is over us all and in us all and living through us all. Four times the word all is used to describe God. He is father of all. That means he loves everyone. He is father over all, which means he has control over all. He's the father through all. That's, that's talking about his providence of all. And he is in all. His presence is everywhere. One father unites one family. How is this even possible? This unity, especially in today's world. The nice thing is that Paul makes it easy for us here, and he unpacks three crucial qualities. You're going to want to write these down. Did you catch three whenever we, we read it? It's humility, gentleness, and patience. Now, there might be some of these areas that you're amazing at, and while there are some others that you may be lacking at a bit, if you said that you are amazing at all of them, you may want to look at the first one, your humility. Here's the reality. This is a reality in my life and a reality in your life. All of us 
Every one of us has room to grow. All of us can become even more Christ-like by displaying a greater depth of humility, gentleness, and patience. And th there's not a single area where any of us have it completely nailed down fully, right? Be assured of this. God's commands are designed to guide you to life's very best. He's not trying to hold you down. He's trying to lift you up. And here's what I know. We all can be even more Christ-like. This is true for me. It's true for you. There's never been a moment in my life where I would say with confidence, I've got this totally nailed down. I mean, I reached the pinnacle. I never sin. I am always loving, incredibly patient. I am perfect in all ways. Of course, if I did say something like that, my wife would very quickly bring me back to reality. The reality is that all Christ followers have a high calling from God, and it's this calling from God that presses me and us towards growth in our walk with Christ. Instead of living a life of complacency, we strive to live a life worthy of the calling. So Paul in Ephesians chapter four, verse one, just starts by saying, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I'm urging you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received for you have been called. Let me state this again, because sometimes we think only missionaries, pastors, or worship leaders are called. But Paul says very clearly that every Christ follower has been called. Now, in light of this calling, because of this calling, if you will, I want you to live a life that's worthy. All right, here's the big question for today. How present and evident are these character qualities, these three qualities in your life? Humility, gentleness, and patience. Let's take a moment for a little self-introspection by examining each one of these qualities uh, one by one. Let's start with humility. Humility is to consider others better than yourself. It's to look not only to your own interests, but to the interests of others. That's the way Paul wrote it in Philippians 2. It's not thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought. It means that we honor one another above ourselves. That's what Paul wrote over in Romans 12. See, humility and confidence aren't opposites. In fact, they're completely compatible traits of someone who realizes that he or she has been designed by God with certain gifts and abilities. Everything we are, our abilities, our intellect, our talent, our skills, even our capabilities have been hardwired into our DNA by Almighty God and shaped by the experience that he has orchestrated and allowed in our lives. That's what I believe. If think back to chapter two, where he said, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. You see, knowing that brings great confidence to us and also humility. We need to maximize our efforts to fit his design, but be very careful. We are his design and not our own. So being humble is the opposite, you see, of being proud. God hates pride because it's a source of disunity. It never creates unity. Pride kills relationships. Humility builds relationships. Why? Because pride is unwilling to listen, unwilling to take advice, to say, I'm sorry, to say I was wrong. Solomon said, pride only brings quarrels, but wisdom is found in those who take advice. Pride is the opposite of humility. And in fact, it's the root of most sin. Pride makes me think, frankly, that I'm better than you. Pride makes me believe 
I'm better than I really am. Humility, on the other hand, is thinking more of others. Humility is recognizing the value given by God to every human being and treating them accordingly. When Jesus washed the disciples' feet, he demonstrated humility. This is a great example. Why did he wash their feet? Answer, because it needed to be done. Anybody could have washed everybody's feet, but nobody did. Why? Because it wasn't their job. It wasn't their house, their responsibility. Everybody could see that it needed to be done, but no one picked up the towel. But then the Bible says Jesus, quote, laid aside his outer garments and tied the towel around his waist. And then he poured water in a basin and he began to wash the disciples' feet and he wiped them with a towel that was wrapped around his waist. But when he got to Peter, Peter responded, Frankly, he responded in a way that's way too familiar to me because he said to Jesus, you aren't going to wash my feet. You want to know why? Because being served requires humility and it can be uncomfortable and it's, it's unnerving. We get so full of ourselves, don't we? We're so important, so smart, so successful, so fit, so right that instead of growing humble, we grow more prideful. So how humble are you? <laughs> I guess I should ask on a scale of one to 10, but let me ask it this way. Are you completely humble? Is your every thought centered on what is best for the body of Christ rather than yourself? That's the goal that, that we have to be growing towards. Humility. So the second virtue Paul mentions is gentleness. Be completely humble and gentle. If you ask anyone, when you grow up, what do you want to be? And exactly no one will say they want to grow up and be gentle. No one I know. Gentleness doesn't feel desirable. Now, while it's not a quality that comes naturally to many people, gentleness is another Christ-like attribute that comes up a lot in the Bible. In fact, humility and gentleness are words that used by Jesus to describe himself. He said, I am gentle and humble in heart. Jesus was strong and gentle in spirit. Gentleness is strength under control. That's what it means. It's like medicine that's taken in the correct dose. It's like the wind blowing through, through, through the trees, a gentle breeze, a car's engine under control. In each case, you have power, but that power is under control. Out of control things cause damage. But under control, each of those things can be a blessing. I believe that having a soft heart in a cruel world is a strength. It's not a weakness. Gentleness is powerful. We tend to be harsh, critical, rough around the edges, quick-tempered. At least, Well, maybe I'm just describing myself. As we become like Jesus, he takes that edge off and we learn the effectiveness of being gentle. He helps us to calm down. We know that he's got our backs, so we don't have to. In Proverbs, Solomon tells us that that gentle answer turns away wrath. But a harsh word, it stirs up anger. This would help a lot, a lot of us right now, right? In our homes, our marriages, with our kids maybe, in our jobs. Have a gentle answer. With your friends, be completely humble and gentle. Gentleness is so important. Because conflict is inevitable 
in absolutely every relationship. While conflict can be very challenging, it is not typically the cause of division. Think about that. In most cases, conflict turns to division when one or both parties loses it. When one person loses control, conflict shifts into division. So on a scale of one to 10, how would you rate yourself in the area of gentleness? If you never get fired up about anything, that, that doesn't really necessarily mean that you're gentle. It may simply mean that you've checked out. On the other hand, if you often find yourself thinking, hmm, oops, that got out of hand in a hurry, you probably need to ask the Holy Spirit to do some work with you in this area. See, gentleness is best described in this way. A man who is always angry at the right time and never angry at the wrong time. The next attribute we must possess is patience. Verse two, and be patient, he said, bearing with one another in love. Be patient. How many of you would say you are a patient person? This is big because there are a lot of really, really annoying people out there. Now, I find this hard to imagine, but I suppose I do some things from time to time that some of you might find annoying. I tend to believe that says more about you than me, but whatever. See, in context, the point is for unity to exist. We all have to learn how to put up with or deal with one another's idiosyncrasies. Literally, this verse says we need to put up with each other. Did you read that? So see, a big part of my job as a Christian <laughs> is to learn to let some things go. And the way we do that is to pray about it. Literally, give it to God. God, this is really bothering me. Will you take it? God, this person is driving me crazy. Will you help me? God, every time I see this person, they annoy the fire out of me. Will you help me see them how you see them? Learning to put up with each other's quirks is vital to maintaining unity. But our patience, our patience with one another has to go beyond suffering through minor annoyances. Watch this. The word that Paul uses in this text calls us to remain calm and engaged in the face of being let down or wronged. Another way to say, say it is, a patient person is one who refuses to retaliate. And that isn't easy. It's hard enough not to snap on somebody that's irritating you, but to hang in there with people who mess you over is a whole other ball game. And if that is not difficult enough, listen to what Paul adds in his admonition to be patient. He said, be patient, bearing with one another in love. <laughs> Didn't expect that, did you? In other words, we cannot settle for merely tolerating one another or even refusing to seek revenge. God isn't asking how we feel about it either. He's telling us. He's commanding us, be humble, gentle, and patient. These are qualities that we learn over time, of course. How many of you were born patient? None of us. We all started crying right away, right at that very time that we were at the beginning of life when we were hungry or uncomfortable or we're tired, we cry. And you know what? Some of us never outgrew it. But with God's help, we can learn to live with each other and show the grace that he has shown to us. Basically, for three chapters, we're just reminded of how blessed we are. And now we're being instructed 
on how it works. You see, in order to live a life worthy of the calling you have received, you do these three things. You start by being humble, gentle, and patient. Some situations that there's no way would ever get worked out and resolved, I've seen God bring people together. As we follow his instructions and we live the life worthy of the calling, we're humble and gentle, we're patient. Listen, I've seen marriages healed. I've seen couples brought back together from literally hating each other. I've seen people burned by each other in business. They avoid lawsuits. They lay down the swords and they forgive one another. It's because of Christ. Because when Christians live like Jesus, my friend, it changes the world. For unity's sake, we must be a people who even when done wrong, continue to desire and work for the best interest of the other person. It kind of feels like Paul's asking a little too much of us here, doesn't it? (laughs) At least to me it does. But remember, he's only asking us to do for others what God has done for us. So let's live like it. Let's all agree right now that we're not going to just say we're Christians. We are going to live like it, not just for our sake either, but for his sake. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for saving us. and Thank you for putting us together and calling us your family. Father, I pray that you will help us through the power of your spirit to love each other so much that we would be willing to grow in humility and gentleness and patience. I imagine that there is not one of us that can say, we don't need to grow in this area. I imagine all of us would be able to say, we all need a greater humility. We need to learn gentleness in every situation. And we want to be patient with others. And Father, I pray that we will all experience that too through our brothers and sisters in Christ humility from them, gentleness from them, and patience. We ask you this, Father, because we know that you are glorified through this, and it's through the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. If you like this podcast, we post a new episode each week, so be sure to subscribe and leave us a review so you can help share our message. We'll see you next time.